So Nehemiah chapter 1, um, let's stand together and follow along in your King James Bible, and I'm going to read a couple of verses, if you'll follow in your Bible, verses 3 and 4. Nehemiah is asking about, well, how's it going back home? Most of the nation has been, been killed or captured, and so he's in servitude in another country, and he's asking for a report, and here we pick it up in verse 3, and they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity in Jerusalem, there in the province are in great affliction. And reproach, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Verse 4, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed. You see that? Nehemiah prayed when he was troubled. Nehemiah prayed when there were difficulties in his life. Nehemiah sought God in prayer to have the right spirit and the right heart and to seek God's leading. He said he prayed before God of heaven. Let's pray and then you can be seated. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for loving us first. Thank you for the eternal word of God. Thank you for the spirit of God that lives within us. And Father, help us to have, have your wisdom and your mind about things in this world today. Father, help us not to be overwhelmed and overcome with, with the rush and the tidal wave of information and news and uh, worrisome uh, chatter that's out there. Father, help us to love you and trust you more. Lord, use me, I pray, that I'll be a willing vessel in your hand to speak the word of God today, and, and may we be ministered to by your word and spirit. Bless us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So eternal God and provisional circumstances. As believers, we really should have a different perspective on life. We should have a different view of reality. And boy, if there's ever been a, a time in my life, preacher, the past year, and boy, who hasn't heard news about politics, and we're not going to talk about politics tonight, but wow, if, if you don't have the, the truth in your heart that God is in control, and God is on the throne, and that God's going to work it all out, and it's not up to a man, or a political party, or a certain group, or way of thinking, but boy, oh boy, as believers, what a foundation we have. Amen? Isn't it wonderful to know that God's got this? God is God. God is so, so, so wise and so perfect and so loving that He's going to take care of our every need anyway. We are eternally saved, sealed, and sanctified. Do you find comfort in that? Your salvation is, is a sealed deal, and there are... No things in this life that can give you such assurance like that. Our Redeemer has conquered the grave and he's seated where? On the right hand of the Father. Amen. And you can read about that in Mark chapter 10 and, or Mark chapter 16 and Hebrews 10. Amen. Our Redeemer liveth. Our God is not only just and good and holy, but he is also eternal. So we're going to look at Psalm 90 in verse 2, where the psalmist recognized this point. Psalm 90 and verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You know, the Bible's so incredible. We can take a verse like that, and no matter what you're facing tonight, uh, tomorrow, this, this coming week, this coming month, whatever, whatever concern or trouble or fear, 
I know as believers, uh, I believe strongly, it should be faith over fear. Amen? Faith over fear. We should always turn to our faith rather than give in to our fear. But a verse like this is so powerful. We can say, Lord, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Amen? You can say amen right there. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Whatever we face ahead that concerns us, we can say, Lord, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And God's got you. You're so precious to the Lord as a child of God. He will take care of every concern in your heart and life. When we consider his plan and purpose for our lives, we should find great comfort in that, knowing that our present circumstances are just temporary. Amen? God is eternal. Our circumstances are temporary. Even if someone said tomorrow, uh, uh, Mr. Bolton, uh, we figured out that you've got this, whatever this is, and you're going to have it for the rest of your life. Guess what? That's temporary. That's just for a short time because once we leave this, this robe of flesh, we'll live forever with the Lord. Amen? So no matter what it is, that you have or that hurts you or concerns you or worries you. It's, it's provisional. It's temporary. It's just for a while. Amen? And Almighty God is able to use every part of our life's journey for His good, for His glory, and for the cause of Christ. Isn't that amazing? How many uh, preachers or missionaries you could talk to and say, say, brother, tell me a story about something that happened way back like way back before when you were growing up or when you were in the military and you didn't know you were going to be a preacher or you didn't know you were going to be a missionary or helping God in, in service in some way as a, as a deacon or, 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 an, or, or a, a Sunday school teacher or something like that. And, and you can go back and you can see time, lessons you've learned and ways God answered prayer and even miraculous things God did for you just to work it all together for his good. Amen. So the eternal state of Jehovah God. Remember, God created all things. Read Genesis chapter 1. And our help comes from the Lord. He's always near in our time of need. Remember this. He never sleeps or slumbers. Psalm 121. You know what that means. When you're tossing and turning in bed and it's the middle of the night and you don't think anybody in the world uh, could minister to you. God isn't sleeping. Amen. He's not uh, uh, too, too tired or too weary or too busy to hear your heart, to hear your prayer or your care or your concern. God himself is a very present help in trouble, Psalms 46.1. Do you like that? God is a very present help in trouble. What does that mean? It means he's right here. It means God is right there next to you when you need him and when you have trouble in your life. He's your help and he's my help in the time of trouble. I like that. He's right next to you. No matter what it is in your life, maybe you've got like a career change thing happening. Maybe you're getting close to retirement. Maybe you got a bill that came in that you weren't expecting. Maybe this news of COVID is going to affect a, a family member or, or a neighbor, someone you care about so much. Listen, God is with you through this experience and through this time, right with you. But he's not only with you, the Bible says, he's also your refuge and strength, Psalm 46.1 tells us. Don't you like that? What is a refuge, Brother Bolton? A refuge is a place you go for safety. 
and comfort and protection. It's like maybe a walled city, a very secure building. But also, not only is it a refuge, it's like, oh, you know what? I got to get away from this situation. I'm so, I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to go to a refuge. And, and you go to a refuge. And by the way, this church is a refuge for you. Amen. You should feel that way. You should be able to come here and say, hey, I know I'm going to meet the Lord in this place. I know I'm going to hear the word of God. My, I'm, I'm able to rejoice in godly music and praise the Lord for your music program here. But not only is this place a place of refuge, but it's also a place of, the Bible says, strength. So when you go to the place that God has for you as a refuge, it could be a prayer closet. It could be a special place where you do Bible study, maybe in your, in your uh, office, preacher. Saw your library of books there and all the books on your desk. That's a refuge, but it's also, listen, a place of strength. Why? Because God wants to minister to you and me. Because God wants us to be effective witnesses. He wants us to be godly men and women for Him. He wants us to be a testimony every day. I'm, I'm uh, encouraged to hear about your group that went out yesterday, preacher. It was like, like 100 degrees below zero in my book. I'm from Florida. And the temperatures you had last night and yesterday, and y'all went downtown with a group of more than 20 people, faithful witnesses. Listen, God, God encourages not only the hearts of people you minister to, but he encourages you when you're doing the will of God. Amen? And, and the Bible doesn't quit there. See, Psalm 46, 2 continues. And it says, Therefore... Will not we fear? You see, when you're in that place of refuge where God wants you, we're in that place where God refreshes you, and then you also have strength because you're there. He gives you some, a, a peace from heaven, amen? He gives you a confidence, and you don't have to fear. Can you imagine if the world understood that if they would believe and trust in Jehovah God of this Bible, that they don't have to fear in this day and age? I just read a headline... Um, I didn't read the story, that, just the headline. They say, the second wave of coronavirus looks like it will be worse than the first and we're going to have more cases than ever. You see, this world wants us to be afraid, so we'll turn to certain, certain people and, and certain agencies for our, our security and, and for, for money and for jobs. and for uh, They end up having control in our lives and our lives should be controlled by the Lord God, Amen. You see, we will not fear if we're in that place. Believer, we have nothing ever to fear with God by our side. It's easy to say, hard to execute sometimes. I see some uh, younger kids around here. Uh, my wife and I, we, um, we hatched a couple of those. They were both boys, and, and they grew up, and they get into situations, and, you know, at times you're... You know, your life revolves around your kids, depending on what's happening, and they might have a medical situation, or they might have an accident, and I remember a couple times we were so concerned, I almost chopped off a finger of one of my kids by, by accident while I was mowing the yard, and I left the, it's back in the days when the mowers kept running, if, if you weren't, your hands weren't on it, and, and I was tending to something a few steps away, and out of nowhere, he came from way over there, and he was, his hand was in the lawnmower, and it just, it grazed three fingers, and he got by with stitches, but... Boy, you, you, you just, things come up in life, and, and the natural thing is, is to be afraid, but God doesn't want us to be afraid. If our confidence is in God. In verse 7 of Psalm 46, reminds us all that the Lord of hosts is with us. Folks, let's find peace, let's find assurance and rest and confidence in that truth. 
Moses assured God's chosen of this great truth in Deuteronomy 31.6. Here's what the Bible says. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. Remember, they were being, being uh, pursued. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor for, forsake thee. Folks, your God is a God who will not fail thee, and he will not forsake thee. And if I remember right, that word forsake, it means like to abandon you, like, like you're, you've been totally orphaned. You see, that's not the kind of heavenly father we have, amen. We have a God who is always there and will not ever leave us. Jesus is always with you, Matthew 28, 20. And one reason he's available is so we do not bear our own cares and burdens. Have some of us figured that out? where we try to carry the load and carry the load and like, oh, I don't want to give this little thing to God or this thing is too big for God. No, we're told in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 to cast all our care upon Him. Why? Because, say it with me, He careth for you. He careth for us. I don't know if it's... If it's uh, more difficult for men to do this because men try to try to be the manly, the strong one, you know, the one who won't shed a tear, the one who can, yeah, give me another, give me another brick. I can carry that stuff, you know, try to be tough, try to be tough with God and show God how, how much we can, how much of a load we can bear. No, the Bible says, hey, give it, give it all to the Lord. And if we had, if we had lots of kids and lots of songbooks, I could, you know, I could load one up with uh, 24 uh, songbooks. And we could see how fun that is for him. And then what a difference it makes when he gives that load to someone else, to the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and, and, and allows you uh, the freedom and the liberty to serve the Lord. So we're going to look at the circumstances of a few people to illustrate these truths. So the circumstances of the life of Nehemiah, we looked briefly at it. You can read about him more, chapter 1 and 2 in Nehemiah. His homeland was destroyed. His people were captured or killed, and he was a slave serving in the palace. Yet God was in control of everything. He provided for Nehemiah a temporary permission to return to his homeland and work on the project. God gave him this vision, this, this uh, burden on his heart to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And God allowed it miraculously to happen. Besides having permission from the king and the authority to work on that project for a time, he even provided a lot of the supplies that he needed. Nehemiah received God's answer and blessings after spending days in prayer and fasting. Everybody we're going to look at this morning spent a proper amount of time in prayer. You see, that, that's part of the equation that brings us to the right solution, that prayer factor. There has to be prayer. We have to have that sincerity before God. Seek His help. Seek His face, His wisdom. Even if it's, God, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I belong to you and you've got this, and it kind of helps you. Okay, I'm going to trust God. Okay, we're going to trust God. Okay, God is going to do something here. He saw that. And in Nehemiah's case, he had that fasting factor. I'm looking forward to um, where we go to church in Florida. Our pastor said he's considering having a series on the importance of fasting and prayer. And boy, if the United States ever needed Christians to pray and fast, 
Maybe these are the days that we're living in now. Prayer and fasting to get a hold of God's attention and God's power. Nehemiah rallied help from the people there to work together in chapter 2 of Nehemiah and accomplished the work that would bring glory to God, it would honor God. And we're going to come back to Nehemiah after we look at a couple of other people. Remember this, the circumstances of Daniel's life. His life appeared to be in a bad condition. His homeland was destroyed. He was captured. King Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem. He was a slave serving at the pleasure of the king. He and three companions, you'll remember, while they were in, in prison and being trained, the Bible describes them as favored, full of wisdom, skillful in knowledge and science. You know what that made me think of, preacher? It didn't matter where Daniel and the three Hebrew children were. They were the people whom God created them to be. Their physical location didn't change who they were. No matter where we have to go. I don't know how many of you are like from this county or from this city or from this state, but you are who God created you to be. And if, if for some reason you need to come to Florida, which is like one of the greatest places you can live because it's our home, or anywhere else in the world, God created you uniquely and specifically to be who you are. And that's, that's not a note. It's just something that uh, we'll move on. Recall that these four would always honor God. They wouldn't take the king's meat or drink because it, it, was, it was defiled and their dietary laws were not honored if they were to take of the king's uh, meat and drink. So God blessed them for it. You see, even though they were far from home, even though everybody else of their peers were taking that food and the drink, they didn't give in to that. They, they, in their hearts, they knew this will honor God if we refuse it. And they refused it. And God blessed them for it. And then remember, God showed Daniel the meaning of a troubling dream that the king had. And the answer came only after Daniel and his three friends came to God in prayer seeking God's mercy and help. Turn to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And look at verse 17 and 18. Did I write that down? Prayer power. Here it is. Mark. Daniel 2, 17 and 18. The Bible says, Then Daniel went to his house and made that thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. You see, the circumstance came up where the king had to have the interpretation or all these uh, counselors to the king would be killed. Daniel was one of them. And when he got together with his friends, they turned to God in prayer. Prayer made all the difference. Prayer is, is what made the situation look from certain death to victory. And they relied on that. And God showed them the power of prayer. Afterward, Daniel rose to a position of great honor. 
and his peers were very jealous. That's in chapter 6. The other princes schemed to have Daniel set up and have the king enact a law that would be illegal to pray to the God of heaven. You all remember the story of Daniel? And Daniel continued to be faithful to God. In chapter 6 and verse 10, he knelt in prayer, as was his custom, even leaving the windows open. We're going to read that verse in a minute, but I want uh, to tell you something we experienced on a mission trip in Israel. It's, it's very difficult to worship the Lord as a Christian there and to, to start a church and to be a missionary and to uh, even have Bible study. You can do a lot if you're indoors in a home. Well, we were indoors in a home with a missionary family, and we were going to have midweek Bible service there with us and the family. But before we did, in this quiet neighborhood, a, a nice little suburb, they went to all the windows, and they closed all the blinds, and they pulled all the curtains. Why? Because they did not want to be seen and to be accused of having an illegal Christian assembly and to be kicked out of the country. Well, it was so much worse even in Daniel's day, and it was illegal, and you would be put to certain death if you had prayer to anyone but the king. And the Bible says in Daniel 6 and verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, now get that part, because you can read a Bible story and it's so familiar, you're missing some of the obvious things that are there. Daniel knew the decree had been signed. Daniel knew it was illegal to pray. <clears throat> he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. You see, in faith, in fear, he could have closed all his windows and nobody would have seen him pray. Is that right? Yeah. But in faith, he left his windows wide open so anybody and everybody could see him pray. Open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. The Bible says he gave thanks to God for who he is. He gave thanks to God for his wisdom and his knowledge and his plan for Daniel's life. He gave thanks to God knowing any minute now someone's going to come in here and strong arm me and arrest me and take me and throw me into a lion's den. Daniel saw what was coming, but he gave thanks to God. Have you ever given thanks to God when you had a trial in your life? Have you remembered to give thanks to God when you get news that you weren't expecting? I've had two abdominal surgeries. They, they cut you wide open and they try to fix you what's messed up inside of you. And my heart has always been, God, you're in control. My wife had a diagnosis a couple years ago of bladder cancer. And I said to her, in, in trying to help her com, uh, give her words of comfort, it was, honey, God has a job for you to do. Christian, God has a job for each of us. God has a job for everybody here to do in serving him as an obedient child of God, being a great witness. And if we can remember to give thanks to God, because he knows where we need to be. And he knows how to get us there. And we've had some turbulent moves in our lives that we weren't expecting, but God brought us right exactly to where we need to be and in just the ministry that he wanted for us. I'm amazed at that. Pastor, I didn't, I didn't realize that part of Daniel's faith before I prepared for this message. 
He left his windows open on purpose, and he thanked God in that prayer, and he knew he was about to face the lion's den. So Daniel is cast into the den of lions, but his reputation and faithfulness is so well known, amen. Verse 16 says that the king said to Daniel, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Can you imagine that? Isn't it incredible when somebody who doesn't know God, who isn't saved, can see like this man has so much faith, I know that his God can deliver him from this situation or circumstance. And that's a testimony that any of us and each of us could have. I would pray that we would all want that strong testimony like Daniel had. Imagine being known, even if it's at your funeral service after you die, that person had great faith in God and they served him continually, continually, every day of the week, amen? Every day of the week serving God. Daniel was delivered that night from the mouths of the lions. Isn't that a great picture? Not somebody in there uh, shaking with a chair and a whip and commands to the lions to get back and to sit down and, and all that. No, he walked in there. He was in the perfect, he was in the, he was in the bullseye of the bullseye of the center of God's will. He knew God had this. He knew he shouldn't fear. And boy, he, he might have had the warmest night, preachers of sleep. He had in, in months and months, uh, snuggling up to those big furry kitty cats, right? God did that. What an unbelievable testimony. And then the last one we'll look at is the circumstance of Joseph's life. You can read about that in Genesis 37. We know in his life, he had a lot of bad conditions. First, he was rejected by his brothers. You know, he was cast into a pit. Later in life, he was sold to be enslaved later in that same episode. And the word of God tells us in Genesis 39 to these words, remember this, the Lord was with Joseph. Remember, God is eternal and God is right by your side and God knows what you're facing and what you're dealing with. The Bible reminds us of it here. Even enslaved, the Lord was with Joseph. He seemed to do well for a while, but because of the false accusation made of him, he was tossed into prison. Even in prison, the word of God tells us, the Lord was with Joseph, Genesis 39, 21. You know what? You can't always tell about a person's life just by uh, how they appear, just by how they're dressed, just by where they are at the time. He was in prison. You know, I tend to be, and maybe we tend to be a little bit uh, self-righteous. Well, I'm not in prison. He probably deserves to be in there. Who knows what horrible things this person's done. Ah, those guys in prison. No. Genesis 39, 21 says, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the, pre of the prison. You see, sometimes the path God has for us takes us to places we don't expect to be. Later, he served faithfully in the palace and saved all of Egypt from starvation, as well as his own family and as well as the Hebrew nation. After death of his father, Jacob, Joseph reflected on the course of his life. Have you ever done that? Anybody here over 50? By the way, my wife and I just turned 60 last month. Amen. Happy birthday to us. You can give us a, a birthday card in the back after the service. And... Um, <clears throat> He's, he's reflected on all the things that already happened in his life. And he tells his brothers that although their actions of selling him into slavery was done with evil intent, these words, and I know you've heard them before, still God meant it unto good. What's going on in your life 
that God can still use for his glory. Where who knows, in a month, in a year, you can look back and say, hey, God meant that unto good. I wouldn't have, have figured out that path or that course or those circumstances, but God meant it unto good. You see, even the most difficult circumstances in our lives can be used by Almighty God to bring about much good. So we've already looked at three lives today that dealt with the worst circumstances, Nehemiah, Daniel, Joseph, they all remained faithful and they all realized that I need to tap into this power of prayer. So I know the title of the message is Eternal God, Provisional Circumstances. I want you to have in your mind the subtitle, it's all about prayer. We need to come to God in prayer. We need to spend time with God in prayer. We need to deal with life through prayer and yield the reins back to the Lord. They each saw God work in miraculous ways and God blessed them greatly in the end. So our duty today is to claim the power of God in us. Colossians 1.27 speaks of believers as having Christ in you, the hope of glory. So through this time of pandemic, what better time in your life have you had to go someplace and have some uh, confidence and to have uh, testimony and to live a life trusting in the Lord whereby God can use that to help you be an effective witness to someone else. So remain faithful and remain true to the Lord. Nehemiah, he rallied his countrymen by telling them of all the great things God had done for him already. Don't you love that? Don't you love it when somebody tells you an incredible story? Or maybe it's just an everyday thing where God did this thing and we never saw it coming, but it was all God. And it all points to God and all the glory goes to God. And he also told them what God had planned for them to accomplish. He declared to them in Nehemiah chapter 2.17, he's saying this to his countrymen who were left back. The remnant, he said, he said, come. Let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. He's trying to encourage them to work on the wall. Now realize they've lived there and they've, they've, they've kind of given up hope. And Nehemiah is telling them, them, come, let us work together on the wall. Uh, come, let us build up the wall. He's doing it like this. Let us work together. He's trying to, you know, come, let us. And because they were inspired by his speech, they were willing to serve, and they saw the power, the hands of God upon Nehemiah already. In that same verse, their reply was, let us rise up and build. So he says, let us, kind of waving his hands toward himself. And their reply was, because their hearts were stirred, their, their response was, let us, that's how I see it, that's, that's my Bible vision, it's you, let us. See, you see, they're rallied together. They're working. There's something about a, a whole crowd having one mind, isn't there, preacher? And if you've been in the military, you've experienced that. And if you've been on a team or even in a big crowd, maybe sometimes cheering a team, it's like, yeah, we're all rooting for the same thing. Let us rise up and build, the Bible says. So let us, they cried out. Let us is what they answered. And what a great and motivating words that we find these are. Let us. So today in this service, I challenge everybody listening here to participate in the work of the Lord that lies ahead for this church, for this ministry. I just saw that poster on this visit. I don't know if, uh, if I noticed it in October, uh, how we must accomplish the mission, getting the gospel into all the world. And for people who are just listening today, on the left hand, I see a, a little picture and it says Greenville. 
And next to it, it says South Carolina. And next to it, it says United States. And then it says the uttermost part of the earth. You see, uh, that's not going to happen unless uh, many of us and, and, and all of us, and Lord willing, the whole church is involved in that. Let us be involved in missions like that. You see, let us pray. Let us prepare. Let us provide and protect. Let us plea with God. Let us produce for the Lord. You know, I said how I liked the Saturday turnout for witnessing and going downtown and handing out gospel tracts and being a testimony to the world. Imagine if that number was 44 people. Imagine if 65 turned up. Imagine if 88 people turned up. <clears throat> you see, that's a church working together. That's a church of one mind. That's a church that captures the vision that the pastor has and that, that the Bible commands. Let us reach the world. Let us give. Let us sacrifice <clears throat> to accomplish his word and his will in this place. Let us follow the man of God that God has put in this ministry as the under-shepherd, amen, of the Lord. And let's pray for him and let us love him. You see, our eternal God wants to work and receive glory through our temporary circumstances. Everything in our life is limited. It's temporary. It's provisional. But God is eternal. Some years ago, I was in a hospital bed, and, and I was in a position that looked really uh, hopeless and helpless. Uh, we, we've got a ministry video, and we've held off on showing it. Pastor uh, told us uh, about your system and how many people were missing, and uh, Lord willing, you'll see our video at another time. But <clears throat> I was laying in a hospital bed with sepsis and peritonitis and broken parts on the inside, and I should have had emergency surgery right away, but instead uh, I laid there for more than two days, and, and I ended up uh, very, very sick. I was very weak, and I was close to heaven. God gave me peace because as a young boy at about five years of age at Vacation Bible School preacher, I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I've had a peace that passes all understanding and an assurance ever since then. But my position looked very hopeless. My body was full of infection, and I was very weak. But you know what? God meant it unto good. Whatever is happening in your life, whatever fear there seems to be, let's replace that with faith and confidence in the will of God. Let's be faithful to Him and realize whatever's going on in my life, God's going to use it for good. We, we uh, like to qu quote Romans uh, 8.28 as one example often, but living it is a whole other matter. But yet God can and God will. So let's commit to the Lord today and realize that He's eternal in whatever temporary circumstance we're facing. He's powerful enough to see us through. Let's stand together and get ready for invitation time.